Welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic, episode, I think, 1.19. I'll insert some kind of bad pun right here. And we are interviewing uh, Brian, who is um, at Cosmos on Twitter. Um, and uh, we are just generally going to talk about uh, Knights of the Old Republic, probably Knights of the Old Republic 2, and... Uh, Probably a bunch of tangents. So yeah, uh, any Brian, game you want. welcome. Yeah, how's it going? It's going. Not working Good. a weekend for the first time in like, well, I did it a couple weeks ago, but you know, not working weekends is good to me. I, I don't get to do it mm-hmm. very often. Well, there you go. So um, now tell, uh, just go ahead and tell us about your uh, your relationship to, uh, I guess, Knights of the Old Republic. Okay, so yeah, I was going to say, I, before we started recording, I was going to talk about this. I was eight when the special edition came out, and sadly, those are the first versions I saw. Uh, I'm still, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like a zealot for like the originals, but I, do, you know, I think I prefer them personally, because I don't think, especially with, with New Hope, I, I think the improvements are, they have not aged well. But um, one of the reasons Empire is the best movie, and it's one of the reasons it's the best, one of the best movies ever made, is it's the only one that I think... A, George Lucas, because he had so little to do with a lot of it, couldn't figure out what to change. And B, the changes are actually, like, pretty good. Like, the Cloud City stuff looks good. Um, but anyway, so, like, I, I like the movies a lot, and I got into them. Like, I remember my older stepbrother was watching them a lot, so I got into them then. But I'm, I'm one of those people, I'm one of those people who was a 90s Star Wars kid. So, like, a lot of the stuff that I was really emotionally attached to was, like, Thrawn and the X-Wing books and the absolute flood of games we got in the 90s the golden age from like 94 to 05 so i i played a lot of those games i played like jedi knight i played i played a lot of uh i played like episode like pod, the pod racing game which was good jedi power battles a lot of that stuff uh i played the unfortunately bad episode one game and the weird episode three game i don't know if anyone else has played that one the like, episode three game where you could kill the younglings repeatedly that one yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah that yeah. one was like it had like it was like a weird platformer in some parts but then mm-hmm. there was there were just parts of it that were just like a fighting game that were pretty good and i i i remember i remember thinking like it'd be cool if they put revan in this mode <laughs> 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 no because so i didn't have a console of my own until 2003 or so Mm-hmm. And so I only really played multiplayer games with my with my brothers, like Goldeneye and stuff like that. So I didn't really get to play single player games, and until I got an Xbox in '04, and I had my brother had a copy of Kotor that I'd never gotten to play, and I was like, I want to try this game out, and I think I beat it six times that summer, like that year, and then two <laughs> came out that that winter, and I bought a copy of it and did the same thing. So it was one of the first, probably one of the first ten, five or ten single player games I ever really got to put time into, and it's still my favorite game of all time. The first one, particularly. But I mean, two. If two had been finished, I think it might be my, it might have been my favorite game of all time. Well, yeah, still, like, top ten. I mean, yeah, you gotta, you know, you I'm gotta, right. you gotta give two the, uh, you gotta give it a uh, 
<laughs> a leash. You got to you got to give it like a like a ten minute uh, preview lead in to talk about why you like two. Otherwise, you know, are you really talking about why you like Kotor two? If <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, it's just you know, it's my favorite for a lot of personal reasons. But like, I think I've said on here before, it's Kotor is a better game. Yeah. Like, it's it's more finished even though like a lot of the rough combat and uh like in-game system edges are kind of um are kind of better in kotor 2 but like the 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 companions are better in kotor kotor 1 the game is finished revan is such a compelling character you know like well the thing with that though is that a lot of what makes revan a compelling character is from 2 his background yeah but you know but and i, I, I think I my think, point is that i think i almost kind of consider them the same game in a lot of ways mm-hmm. whereas like the real quote-unquote sequel is is old republic which i i have a healthy respect for but i kind of i just couldn't play that much i mean i say that i think i beat three character stories entirely so like i still put a lot of time into that game but wow a lot of it was several years later after they made it free to play and also they uh they really, really edited. They made the game much easier to play by yourself. Much easier. There's, there's a way to play that game where it plays the, the, the rhythm of it is a lot more like Kotor, and that's when I started getting into it. But I was playing that during the Olympics in 2016. That's like the strongest memory I have was watching the Olympics and running around in Corellia. That's like the, the weird. So I think I beat two or three stories that summer, and then weirdly, I only did. I never finished any Jedi or Sith story in that game. I did Scoundrel the bounty hunter and the agent. I think I was doing some of the other, the Republic trooper one. And I, that's when I stopped. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, not, what I, not what you assume, not what I assumed to that I'd be doing with that game, but I was just like, yeah. I like, I don't know. I say so right now I'm, I'm researching and, uh, writing the script for our series on the old Republic MMO. And I like, I played it a very little bit, but I don't like MMOs generally. So yeah, it, I don't wasn't, it wasn't for me. So um, when, I, they, uh, when they change it around and make it easier, like you get, you don't have any, I think you get like a small experience boost when you're playing by yourself or when you have a, a companion character with you and they made the, the traveling easier. So you could just go to a planet, go to where you need to go, do the story and then leave. That made it feel a lot more like Kodor did. Or you can just yeah. kind of run through the story real quick. Yeah, I so like that I, improved it a lot for me. Yeah, so like I played it like right when it came out, and um, it's interesting because you can see a lot of what was going to be in Kotor three that got basically pushed into the old Republic. So the Sith Emperor and that character and the true Sith, you know, and all, and all that sort of stuff. And it, it got changed around, but it's just, you know, it's really interesting to see all that stuff in the, in the old Republic that got, um, that, that got pushed into that and, you know, reading all about that, because like I said, I haven't, I think that's the only thing that we're going to go through that I haven't like read or played in the old Republic is the old Republic MMO. <laughs> You can, I mean, you can watch videos on it too. Like, it's not. Yeah. The thing about a game like that is that nobody's gonna have really different experiences with it. That's that's kind of my problem with MMOs. Is like, if you do all the content, it's all the same content, and it's. 
I'm also not somebody who believes and I, I need one game. Like I got to get on and do my daily logins for this game. Like I, I'd rather play a bunch of 10 hour games. I like games that end too. That's a thing. A game. I mean, I, I play, I play NBA and I play Overwatch and shit, but I mean like I'm the games that I really like get attached to It's I need, I need an ending. I need something, some sense of finality in it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, Kelsey, did you have something? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think one of the things that works really well um, about KOTOR and about the really like the choice of that as a setting for this is it allowed them to really write, I mean, immediately like they wrote a sequel for it, but to write a sort of write self-contained narratives. And so you have the trappings of the same universe and there's the the language and the um like the weapons and the iconography are all fairly familiar, but you are able to tell a self-contained story um, and you can branch out that if you want, but like it lets it be its own thing. And I think um, like, it's remarkable that, and um, perhaps telling that the iconic like star Wars narrative game um, that got it right was one that didn't have anything connected at all to most of what was going on in the expanded universe stuff. Because, like, all the stuff where it's, like, floating around and, like, well, Luke is over here being um, ungodly powerful and uh, they shipped him at Thrawn stuff. And, like, it's neat and it's fun and it's good story and there's there's good stuff in that. But that's not really um, – the impetus on that, the pressure, was to let that story keep going. Um, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about because – the weird thing about the Thrawn stuff is that uh, people forget that the Luke story in that in those books is not very good. Um, they, they think, I mean, Mar Jade shows up, and Mar Jade's a great character, but like the the, the George Saboth stuff is not good. Like it's 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 How some of the words. It, like it's not like he's an interesting character. It's just not Honestly, like you come on my show and. <laughs> You talk about how good Mary Jade is, and you insult Joris Saboath, If I'm even saying that right, um, I, I, I never know how. I'm just kidding. I can't. I can't even keep this bit up. <laughs> yeah, like what? What? I mean, it was it was so early in the in the EU stuff. I don't think he there was any kind of like blueprint for what to do. But like that is some that is some textbook. Like for as much as people shit on like the later the post Thrawn stuff for being like very 90s EU, that's like one of the most 90s EU things. <laughs> Whereas like Thrawn himself, whenever he's on, like Thrawn's a great character, and he and that whole his whole story arc is great, but that's like half the book. <laughs> you know, there's another part of those books that's not as good, and it, it yeah, it definitely it definitely has a problem. Like 90s particularly, like we've talked about. We were talking about the New Jedi Order before, and like that Luke is still very problematic. Like, not in like the like, <laughs> Luke is canceled way, but like in the you know he's just like not interesting really. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't yes. evolve as a character. Nineties Luke is like much worse though. Like it, it, it. I am a little sad that that canon got axed right when he it's they started to do stuff with Luke that was, seemed more interesting. But you know, the the last Jedi Luke is infinitely more. That's the thing people. People complained about him in that movie. It's like that Luke is a significantly more interesting character than any, pretty, pretty much anything they did with him in the EU, at all. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I think yeah. I think Leia. I think I do think Leia was usually pretty good though. EU Leia. 
I, I, I kind of yeah. wish she had been transferred more to being the main character because she has she's doing much more. EU EU Leia was great because she was just like, hold on, I'm a politician. No, now I'm a Jedi. Now I'm a polit-. you know. Like, so she yeah. like she was like, if something was going crazy in the Senate, she'd be like, listen, and she'd just drop her lightsaber down and she'd be like, I think <laughs> I've got the last word here, gentlemen. You're like, okay, well, but I don't, yeah, okay, cool, good job, Leia, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm bringing up, I'm, I'm, uh, this relates, this relates to Kotor, and of course, in the fact that they they stole his mask for Kylo Ren, and you cannot convince me that they didn't. They know they oh, did. I'm sure they did. I don't. I, I think there's a uh, uh, a writer named Alex Kane wrote a uh, making of uh, Knights of the Old Republic book, and I think James, even James Olin, um, one of the writers uh, or, or lead writers, um, said that you know if they took if they took it directly from them, great. If it was just inspiration, you know, whatever, that's cool too. Um, you know, but he was sort of like, yeah, they might have taken it for that. I'm not really going to say anything. It's going to get me in trouble. But <laughs> sorry, Kelsey, were you going to say something? Yeah, I just think one of the things that makes um like EU Leia more interesting than like EU Luke is that Luke's arc is seen right as like, well, now that the, he has to like be narrowly focused on like the Jedi and then they just like throw him into battles and Leia has the real difficult task and interesting project. And this is like, this is my gripe about what is missing from the sequel trilogy really is looking at what does it mean to build something after the empire. Um, And that's a lot. And like Luke can go off and like uh, slay whatever he wants and, you know, reteach people how to build lightsabers. But what's really interesting is figuring out how do you repair a galaxy after, you know, 60 years of war. And and it, it doesn't hurt that it doesn't help that Luke a, I think Luke should have made a parent earlier because that's the only time. That's the only time he really gets interesting is when he has to, he has to be Ben's dad, um, the original Ben. We were, <laughs> shout out to a legend. Um, but I also think I, it, Luke, like Luke, is just not. He's not even the most interesting Jedi in in like Corrin Horn is a much more interesting character than him. I, I like Kyle Katarn a lot because I think Kyle Katarn is like, especially in Jedi Outcast, is sort of the platonic ideal of a Jedi where he's not bound by bureaucracy he just is a guy who shows up and and it's like hey that's wrong i'm gonna fix that and then fixes it and leaves it's much more like like batman style jedi i guess which i guess could could be bad if you know uh someone is a fascist like most jedi but hey <laughs> or batman also batman or, yeah or yeah or if um but no i like that's why i like how because he's just like uh I think he fulfills the the peacekeeping role much better because he Corn Horn is a good example of this too of just like a, he's a cop almost but like a, you know not a bastard an investigator Jedi I guess is what I'm getting at the way they describe the Jedi Sentinel in 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 the lore for Kotor is just like a someone who asks questions and tries to solve problems I think that's Luke doesn't do that at all in the books Luke is very reactive. Waits for something bad to happen, and then goes and fights it, and then goes home. And it's just a boring character arc. Yeah, don't don't tell him that Jason's falling to the dark side. He doesn't have time for that right now. There are other things going on, like uh, yeah, something. 
but like i think i think it gets to the the problem of or not the problem but i guess the like central pivot of a uh, jedi you know because in the one sense they're supposed to be galactic peacekeepers and by any definition of a peacekeeper that i could probably think of that's going to involve uh war or battle or something like that um yeah and then you know in empire yoda says a jedi never attack you know a jedi only attacks for defense and for knowledge and those two things aren't really compatible like i mean in the real world yeah. you know but i mean at the same time you know they're just making these these broad statements so i guess it's like what kind of jedi do you want do you want like the world police jedi or do you want the pacifist monks who only come out of hiding when like the galaxy is on the brink of death you know like i so it's yeah. like quite you know, another which, example of this kind of character the, the maverick jedi of just like because because he's almost like a bounty hunter in a lot of ways where people will come up to him with problems and he'll Qui-Gon is portrayed a lot as an RPG hero <laughs> of just going to talk to people and he does side quests to help them out. But like mm-hmm. he had, he added much more positive energy into the universe than any Jedi who meditated all day did like that. That's just, but you know I what he that... really does? He really, he, he really reminds you of, of the best character, which is Jolie Bendo. So. Yes. Jolie's another mean, character like that. Although he, I mean, he is in exile, but it's not like he was not, it's not like he was on Kashyyyk and just sitting at home the whole time. Like he was doing stuff and helping people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was, he was trying not to go insane. Unlike Yoda, who just went insane. But, you know, 19 well, years nine, only. When, when 900 years you reach. Yeah, exactly. Um, Imagine living the last 25 years of your life only talking to yourself. Oh God. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say this. This this kind of goes into Kotor though, because that's what Revan is. Revan is very much like an, an investigator Jedi. I think that's the phrase I want to use. Just like he wants to go, and that that he's pretty pretty consistently portrayed like that in the comics, even of just like, where's is, is there injustice somewhere? I'm going to go find it and beat it up. I'm like, good. That's what I think. I think. In the real world, I wouldn't want Jedi to be like that. But in a in a series called Star Wars, like there's going to be fighting. Sorry. Uh, so, but the, the you know the it's the responsibility of these these people who have the ability to help people to help them when they can. And I think that's something that Kotor really, really it, more so than any other Star Wars property, I think, really delves into the philosophy of of just what use is pacifism in a world. Because in a universe that is literally always at, at war, like is is there use is there a use for pacifism? I guess is the concept is the concept they they really explored well, and the first game did that well too. Like as much as I love Kotor two, it, it gets uh, it, sometimes it gets credit for stuff that was also introduced in the first one, which I think is you know it's going to happen when you have the more overtly philosophical entry. But Kotor one is not like a doesn't lionize the Jedi. It's not like a celebratory of of the jedi not fighting in the mandalorian wars i don't think it's very critical of them but i have to see more of Vruk lamar in kotor one so this is true yeah they like there's i don't know that there's ever been a war like just 
shithead type character in a game where like every time I see his face, I just want to like, I just want to chop his fucking head off. I God damn it. What a sanctimonious fuck. Ed Asner. I wonder if he, it's still weird that he was in that. Like Ed Asner is in this Star Wars RPG. That's, that's odd. Um, mm-hmm. He does, he does a fine job. Oh yeah. He's even worse yeah. than Kotor 2. Anyway. He, he fucking sucks. Kotor 2 is just so uh, it's so weird because you can't, I mean, you know, like some characters, like their um, their uh, their arc shifted dramatically between yeah. the game, you know, between all the changes but like Vruka is always just going to be an asshole. There's no, there's no change in Vruka. He's just always a shithead and yeah, that, that's what you get. That's all, that's all you get with Vruka. <laughs> Because it's all because Master Vandar died. All yeah. Right, Vandar. yeah I, I, I would... It was a great gag when it happened, and it's still funny to me that they put a Yoda character in the game, but he just talks normally. Something yes. really funny about that to me. Just, hey, yeah. what's up? <laughs> hey, guys. How's it going? Yeah. So now you're like, are they all Force-sensitive? Is is Vandar the weird one because yeah. of how he talks, or is Yoda the weird one because of how he talks? <laughs> Well, Yoda I'm sure just we'll has, like, find out. In, uh, Man- sure, we'll find out in Mandalorian season yeah. ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'd be the only thing that's still filming. the la- The last thing filming on Earth is the Mandalorian. They're just filming in some bubble in Anaheim or whatever. They they buy an island to film on. Oh Jesus! <laughs> they film at Skywalker Ranch. No, um. Yeah, I guess this is where. So, hmm. Thinking about Kotor two, I guess this is where we should talk about Kreia, because I'm kind of bringing. I've been kind of bringing this idea up. So this is her whole thing, and the, the reason I think she works as a character. I mean, yeah. Is I mean, that, yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, we could talk about Kreia. I'm good with that. <laughs> Talking about Kreia. It's like a, a a light bulb goes off over your head. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, no, I think I think the thing, and this is the thing that, again, people really credit the Last Jedi, and not nothing like I like that movie. It's the best one of the, the, the three new movies. But they credit the they credit them with the with even the idea of like maybe the Jedi aren't infallible. It's like that that idea has been around for at least it's like Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Like it's been around forever, and. It was around in in Empire. How yeah. do you how do you have a how do you have a a galaxy expanding organization and allow evil to win? Like there's there's no way you don't have a hand in that. And it's kind I mean, of around. Hmm, I'm going to decide if if I think it's around in a New Hope or not, or if that's just Alec Guinness adding in kind of a regretful, a rueful tone in his dialogue. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you could, I think you could read it into either one of them, but like the, you know, the thing people didn't want to do is like Yoda, like something was going to have to happen to get Yoda onto Dagobah, something bad, you know, like the, and so you were going to have to see that. And if Yoda was like the Jedi master that he's introduced as an empire, then he was going to have to do bad things um or you know not necessarily outwardly bad things but he's gonna have to be the architect yeah of some evil shit and um 
you know, I think people didn't want to admit that. And now, you know, with the last Jedi, um, you know, you, you see it with the people who didn't want to admit in the prequels that the prequels are about how the Jedi suck. And I really yeah. don't understand how people watch the prequels and don't get that, but you know, but yeah, I, I mean, so like, I think, I think in like, it's definitely not the first, the last Jedi is definitely not the first thing to do it, but you know, I think it's, it, it really is one of the first, like, as far as the movies go, it's the first one to come just right out and say like, look, the Jedi really sucked. They suck shit. Yeah. And, and, you know, I thought, I thought everyone got that from the prequels or even the original trilogy, but you know, no, I guess not. (laughs) Well, it's one of the really interesting things about how, um, like what uh, a new hope specialized in is really, really like it's expansive world building with little like fleshing out of a lot. It's really like sketching out the, space of it and so you get the sense right like the jedis are what remains isn't hiding or lost that they were once more numerous and you and they had been a valuable thing for a like a central part of the galaxy for a very long time and you don't get what happened really and the way they right we in empire they did you find out right that oh it wasn't just that the jedi are gone because they're an enemy it's that they failed and it's far more interesting to have the jedi as both this like glue that holds the universe together and also having failed at it rather than just being like oh well they did everything right and lost i think is would have been a very different story um yeah go ahead i'm I'm just yeah yeah so so with like so with um and so KOTOR is also like the other thing that's interesting in how it's coming out is both the prequels and KOTOR as they're being written and produced um, pretty uh, concurrently um, are about how you get the Jedi to be an institution that can fail. Um, and KOTOR 1 is really, I think, um, took the very novel step of what happens when they failed and then were redeemed and restored. Like, what does it take to come back from the brink and the prequels are very much like here's what happens when they don't see that uh the the obvious sith user is being obvious and sithy um and so you get them for a far more interesting arc of what is the what does it take to rebuild that and even um and while kotor one doesn't really end on the brightest of notes that kotor two takes it to and even with all of that it's still only barely came back from the brink through extraordinary effort and really through the tutelage of someone who believed in the order by a cynic, by just the deepest, most cynical um, teacher is a really interesting way to show what does it take to build something out of something, build something good out of something. That's one of the the big regrets I have with the old Republic is that the Jedi as they're portrayed in that game are just they're basically the same as they were before. So there's no, it, nothing mm-hmm. happened. It's just, it's a cycle. But yeah, I think, I think uh, the most interesting thing Chris Avalon did was look at the end of KOTOR and look at, you can look at the way that they like the morally horrific thing they did, which was wiping Revan's memory and, and using him like that. And he's just like, they're not redeemed. Like that, that's the whole point. It's like, they, they're not redeemed. In fact, I'm going to completely kill them. They're gone. They've all been destroyed. 
and uh and deservedly so like they deserved they deserve deserved to be destroyed um well, and I once think you that, figure out i think that's an Sorry. interesting way i think that's a really interesting way to to react to to one because um, I, I think you know chris avalon wrote Kraya to be critical of star wars as a whole but particularly that game which i think is miss out on sometimes right, go ahead yeah um, well, I mean, I was just going to say that, I mean, Avalon took the next logical step, which is if the force is just an energy field that these people manipulate and somehow they're in touch with it, then okay, you know, whatever. But yeah. if the force is a deity of some kind and it has a will and it has a way and it has a mind of its own, then it is taking away your free will to some extent. And the only way to do that, the only way to fix that is to find and kill God. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the they, I... they literally, they have to attack and dethrone God. I mean, and... yeah. yeah. <laughs> the way I've always read it is if, if the, and it, this really is helped by what well, ended up being kind of co- of a coincidence that they chose that time period. But the fact that you can look, is it a thousand years before, roughly? When was the hyperspace war? You guys would know if you're the great hyperspace war. It was about a thousand. It was about a yeah. thousand fifty years before. Yeah, and then you can go five thousand plus years in the future, almost, and it's still the same stuff happening over and over in a cycle. If this is the force's will, then the force is a psychopath. The force loves violence and death, and like that—that's that's such a simple idea that he probably thought of at like two in the morning or something. Uh, but the other thing that I, I always think is really interesting about it is, is, is if the first if the force is deterministic in nature, if it is, then there is no good or evil. There's no you can't put moral value on anything. Like if if everything that happened is the will of the force and everything happened exactly the way it went, then even like Anakin killing the younglings, you can't put any moral value on that. There's no good or evil. There's this, that that's just a thing that was always going to happen, which is a deeply nihilistic way to view the universe and i think that's that's where Kraya's character comes from just like she realized this and she it made her insane it drove her completely insane which is uh not a character that ever really you ever really see in Star Wars. like vergier is compared to Kraya sometimes but vergier is just a schemer like she's just she's just like a, a villainous schemer like she's not i don't think she actually cares i don't think she actually has any Whereas, like, Kreia, the one thing you cannot say about Kreia is that she does not want to... She has her goal, and she wants to accomplish it deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, in, fact, just... in fact, that's how she relates to every other character is what they, like, what they... We could talk about this, but it's, like, how that character relates to the Force is how she views them, which is why she thinks Atten is a weakling, because he was the coward in her eyes. And that's why she doesn't care about Cyan at all, because Cyan is completely reliant on the Force. He's the opposite of what she wants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like KOTOR 2 introduces a lot or or introduces or develops on a lot of interesting questions that I don't think Star Wars is really capable of answering unless they want to um, completely deconstruct themselves. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that was the thing about the last about complaints about the last Jedi that bothered it didn't really bother me, but always confused me. It was like, you know, I wanted to see a more thorough deconstruction yeah. of the Jedi, and it's like, okay, 
I understand that. I would like to see that too. In fact, I would like to see a story where they decided, okay, we are going to abolish the Jedi, not abolish the force. That's another story. And I want to see that as well, but where they abolish like the order, because they've decided that it is a systemic problem that they cannot, uh, that cannot be sustained. Um, and you know, it, it, it has all these questions and everything like that. And the lat like, the last Jedi is basically saying these guys suck. The only way to do this is to rip it down to its foundations and completely rebuild it. But the only way to be more, to deconstruct the Jedi more is KOTOR 2. And people like fa- general fans of star Wars, even if they understand implicitly that yes, the Jedi failed in the prequels and you know, the Jedi did this wrong thing. They still like, it's still very difficult for people to be like slapped in the face with these are the heroes. These are the good guys, the guys that killed the space Nazis in the other movies. They just let it happen again. So it's, I think it's difficult for people to see that, but at the same time, I just like, I don't know how a movie could deconstruct the Jedi more because they're never going to tell the story where they abolish the Jedi or, I mean, I don't even think they'll get, they'll they'll tell another. Yeah, I don't think they'll even let anyone tell another story like they did in KOTOR 2, where it's like, are we going to kill God? Come and find out later. You know, like, I don't I don't think they'll ever do that again either. But, um, Kelsey, you've never played either of these games, and I've made you suffer through talking about them <laughs> for so long. Please give give us your thoughts on this from and, and be as critical of me as possible. You know, oh, just like, I've, I've played, pull me through the ranger. In fairness, I've played, I've played... A little bit of Kotor one, I've still, but um, not not a ton, not very far. And I think, but not, yes, you knock it off a terrace because I mean, fair. No, no, I got stuck in the rancor, man. Um, but I clearly there are answers. I I know what they are. <laughs> I just got stuck in the rancor and then uh, spent the summer away from the computer that I had made that much progress on and didn't want to download it and do it again on a different computer. Um, it's fine, normal things. Um, but what I think is interesting about about this, and of course, I am I am receiving the narrative as relayed by me, by Luke. Um, but I think it's really, <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've, I've spent my time and sunk into this, and I think it's really an interesting way to talk about. Um, like I, and then I wonder how much is reverse engineered from we want to tell a Star Wars story with a twist about a villain who be who is really a hero um because that's like sort of if you are not invested in the universe itself particularly but like you come away from the original trilogy is like oh the very scary villain at the first one turns out to be redeemed at the end what do you do to tell that story and you have to find um a scarier villain to anchor it against um, and in this case, really, it's the the like the triumphant apprentice in Kotor one, and in Kotor two, it's what if the Force, which we treat as this like super cool enabler of power, but only if used responsibly, is in fact at best ambivalent to sentient life, and like that people can use it is a mistake. Um, and it's a really interesting scaling up of the villain of how do you tell the story differently? Like the first time you go through Kotor, you tell it as the villain is this person at the head of a of an evil empire. And the second time, like, what if 
Instead, the villain is existence. Well, I personally, I consider <laughs> going back. I consider the villain of Kotor One to be past Revan, because he's most of well, the it's... problems. Like Malak is Malak is a blunt instrument. Malak doesn't really have plans. It, it's really when you get to the Rakatan planet, when you get to Lehan, uh the villain on that planet is Revan being an asshole there before, and they all hate you because of it. And like <laughs> things that Revan, like uh, when you go to Corbin, it's like that's Revan. That was all he made that entire thing possible, that entire planet possible. And so it's like kind of his fault. Uh, I mean, at Manan, the the uh, the whole the entire Jedi Civil War is Revan's fault. So like that that's that's a fun. I think I think he's more like conceptually the villain of that game, where Malak is just sort of a guy who shows up sometimes and then you kill him. But I mean, even his death speech is him being that he's nothing compared to Revan. So, um, but I think the thing I do, I do think I do think talking about Kotor this way can paint it as maybe more philosophical than it mean it, it is because like even in two this stuff is really just the Kreia stuff. Like two is still a game with like a plot of like the bad guys you have to beat up and like. But the thing that makes it, I think, the best Star Wars media is that, and it's it's because Bioware made this game in two thousands. This is how they made games. It's the modular design of like mm-hmm. you go to this planet, and this planet, every planet has its own unique sort of social structure, and and like different people who there, and different little stories to exhibit. But like the thing that makes Kotor great to me, as much as it is Kray and all the big questions that it asks, it's also just like. You can go out into the desert in Tatooine, and there's a guy who got booby trapped by his wife, and you have to help him out, or you can let him die. And like that's a fun little story. It's a fun little Star Wars side story, and it's very specific Star Wars stuff. It's like that. It's like the Wookiee stuff, like with Zalbar and his brother. It's like different, and like. And then you yeah. talk to the, uh, and then you talk to the Tuscan Raider uh, historian on yeah. Tatooine, yeah. and you find out, you know, the history of uh, the galaxy, or or. <laughs> Talking to Candorus and letting him hear stories that are definitely not about the Eugen Vong. You can't say that they are. Mm-hmm. Strike. But no, like, the, the, but the thing that makes that game great is that the writing is so good that you can just listen to people talk about stuff about yeah. Star Wars lore. And like, as soon as I figure out what that's what that game was, it's like, oh, it's just people talking about Star Wars lore. I was like, I'm going to play this game a million times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It may be it may it may be the only kind of that RPG that I usually don't skip the, the dialogue of because I think also the cast like they had a great voice cast. Mm-hmm. Like I know people don't like Karth, and I, I understand why because he is annoying. But a he he fulfills an extremely important story role, and b Raphael Sabar just a wonderful has a really nice just a wonderful voice. I like listening to him. He was on yeah, better when I heard Paul, him, and I was really excited. When I heard him on, uh, he he shows up in Avatar: The Last Airbender, the cartoon, and I was like, hmm, Karth, what are you doing here? You should be. And he's the exact opposite of Karth because he's an oversharer in that. And I'm like, no, you're talking too much, Karth. You have to stop. You I don't want to talk that, about it. I feel bad that in Mass Effect they gave him the most boring character, most boring party member in the entire series of just like some guy. That's all he is in that game. He doesn't have any real, any any kind of like arc or anything. He's just like who male, was he male, in that game? Kate, the guy who oh, probably that's got right. killed. Yeah. Yeah. His entire thing is like potential. Uh, if you if you want white male love interest, there's your guy. Like that's all he does. He has no. He has no. And why would you do that when? Why would you do that when Garrus is right there? I mean, come yeah. on now, like, come on, we love, people. We love, really. we love Garrus, but like, yeah, like <laughs> it's, it's 
yeah, I, it, the cast is great. John Sigan is amazing. It's Can it's Candace. He's one of my favorite characters. Kevin Michael Richardson, like it's a great cast. Jennifer Hale was in it. Jennifer Hale was one of the greatest voice actors of all time. Like, come on. Yeah. And, Jennifer and, Hale got herself into an into a Star Wars movie actually, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was um, one of the voices at the end of uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Did you um? Did you you watch the Starfighters thing the 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 video the the trailer for that right? Yes. Did you? How, how do we like how do we like them bring uh, Rebels characters into it? Apparently, I'm good with it. I like Rebels. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Rebels fine. I I there's things about Rebels I liked a lot. There's things about Rebels that were like, in a lot of ways, it was more like what I was afraid Clone Wars was going to be, where it was like a uh, child insert, a lot of child insert characters, which. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a kid's show, so it's nothing wrong with doing that. It's just does not as interesting to me because I'm not eight anymore. I would have, man, I would have been all over that show when I was eight or nine, though. I would have been absolutely crazy for it. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess mission accomplished. They did, they did what they wanted to do, but the, the mm-hmm. amount of lore they put into Rebels, I was really a fan of. Oh yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, Filoni, Filoni doing anything is good to me. He's yeah, I like, I like Filoni a lot. I think the difference with that in Clone Wars, though, is like they put a lot of lore into Clone Wars, but they also were like, let's just do interesting stories. Let's have a let's have an arc where the whole arc is that this Jedi has become evil and the clones have to kill him. And it's it's portrayed as a moral good, which is funny knowing how, you know, all that shit ends. Clone Wars is Clone Wars is so good. I was so afraid when it was starting that Ahsoka was going to be that kind of character. And she was a little at the start. But then she's not like then like ten episodes in they're like no she's just a she's just a character now she's not like a little kid little she's not a fan fiction insert character like I think everyone was afraid she was going to be yeah yeah what were you, Kelsey what were you saying sorry yeah no so it's interesting I think what like Clone Wars really um, really had the space to kind of tell those lot of the things and it's also the arc that clone wars i don't know if they like set out to do this but the arc they do in like the first five seasons and then they kind of carried on for the additional two from this place right but the idea that what how do you carry the narrative way of um really the way that anakin and obi-wan are portrayed in attack of the clones and make it meaning meaningful by revenge of the sith um it's a daunting task, and I think the angle of, well, Anakin had an apprentice, but the apprentice was forced out of the order and he was unable to stop it um, be- for a variety of factors, often including his own arrogance, but also just the Jedi Council's ineptitude is a really strong arc. And then you tell that, and you tell that as like sort of the back simmering B-plot of a bunch of war stories that explain how the universe gets so broken down that the empire can exist after it. Um, which is really impressive for something that like, I don't know, features a hut named stinky. Um, <laughs> so they do a really good thing there. I think um, I've recently, like I like, uh, like last month watched all of rebels to sort of power through it. And it feels tight. I have to power start. through it. I think it's a thing. It feels like they they were really, especially like when I realized like the first season has like maybe three things that don't end up um, back on Lothal. Like it's really this sort of, 
it's not bottle episodes, but it's like a bottle rebellion almost. Um, that they they package it in this little thing, and then um, they get to tell some bigger stories with it. But really, um, it's prelude to how do you go from how do you go from the empire is exists and all powerful to there's enough space for re- rebellion to exist. Um, and I think also that they were really trying to like tie it up to a lead in to Rogue One. I uh, shaped it in a few ways, and I think it mostly worked out for that part. But um, yeah, it also for me, uh, I got I have a little bit of fatigue with uh, the post Revenge of the Sith. We're gonna show you how the Empire, how the Rebellion really started, genre, which got kind of it's just too much of that. Like Force Unleashed in particular, that like made me angry. <laughs> It's like, I don't need this. Get this out of here. I like that game. Like, I think that game is decent, and I think that story is decent, but the way that it ended was, like, was almost insulting. Oh, you mean where they just left Sheev alive? Yeah. No, no, not just that, but, like, this the insinuation that the rebellion started because this fucking guy. Like, okay, cool. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I'm really going to believe that Bail Organa, who is portrayed consistently as, like, one of the most intelligent and, like, interesting, like, side characters and the whole thing is going to be like, I was inspired by Starkiller. Like, no, get the fuck out of here. I don't care about that. Get this guy out of here. <laughs> by this, I was inspired by this, this fucking dweeb. <laughs> this, this I was inspired by Sam Whitwer. He's going to... Yeah. He's going to make yeah, a when I think of Sam Whitwer, I, think of, I, think of, I think of really a charismatic hero. <laughs> He doesn't look evil. What are you talking about? Yeah, um, exactly. But like, that's one of the things about KOTOR that really stands out to me is, and I've talked about this with people before, it's, it's something I kind of miss about the 2000s and late 90s and 2000s Star Wars games, but it's also something that makes KOTOR really stand out. I feel like it's the only one that didn't use the same assets that they all had, like Republic Commando, the Jedi Outcast games, all those games, Battlefront. I feel like they had like the same sounds they all used, like and not just mm-hmm. not just like the Ben Burt sounds. I think they had, like specific video game like stock noises, and like the same assets almost. And Kotor just comes in much weirder. It's like structured like a play almost. I've tried to explain this before, but like I love the uh, injured animation that plays when someone's hurt in that game, and they do a conversation, and it's like the same animation every time. It almost feels like theatrical to me where like just like it'll be like stage direction like somebody such and such enters holding clutching their side it's like a that's like that's like theater shorthand for like this person is about to die um i like the even like the some of the descriptions of when things happen like in conversations like such and such looks at you with a weird expression that's like stage direction and it's it's really and, and i think the fact that the the uh so many voice actors do so many of the same like side voices also makes it feel like it's just this guy, like this side player in a play coming in to do this role and this role and this role. And it's, it's hard to explain, but it, it's such a weird. And it's the reason why, even if there's a three, I don't think it'll be the same. It'll be, it may, hopefully it'll be good, but it'll be a very different kind of game. Um, But two, I think two really ramps that shit up because two, two becomes like, Two is much more operatic. I think we would all agree. Or just like it's more dramatic. Like it has more 
like the the, e- the evil characters in two are all like cartoonishly evil almost if they weren't written so well. Like I love Scion. Scion's a great villain. Scion <laughs> being Scion being a villain who's just defeated by talking to him basically is yeah. a it's better than the Saren thing in Mass Effect because it was first. And B, again, that's a very theatrical kind of thing. Like, uh, I was defeated yeah. by monologue. <laughs> um, that's the. It was defeated. Defeated by debate. He was defeated yeah. on the. Uh, he's defeated in the marketplace of ideas. Yeah. Yeah, the battlefield um, of uh, of knowledge and facts or whatever. The the, the thought matrix. Yes. Um, I wanted to say though, because I we were talking about this before we recorded that I think the thing that makes Kreia most interesting. Is that she's not she's not wrong. She's correct in her observations. It's just she's still a villain because she takes those observations and she she basically is like the reason the force is bad is because everyone I personally don't like. She she's wielding it for petty grievance. Like these specific Jedi are bad and like my old apprentices are bad. And it makes her it makes her into like a into like a person who's like an environmentalist who who blames individual people for their consumption and not corporations. It's like you're not. It, it makes her it makes her into a poster. She's a true Twitter poster, where she's like the problem with politics is everyone I disagree with personally. <laughs> the problem with the world is all my petty feuds, and that that makes her it, it makes her because like if if she was fully focused on on just the force as like a, a malevolent entity. I don't think I, it, it would have been hard to be like, Oh, we got to kill her now. Whereas like, if Aishas had been the main villain, like I think they were trying to make her, I don't know if it would have worked as well. Whereas the, 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 the game ending where it ends, I think if it had been more fleshed out would have been perfect. It's a perfect ending. Also, if we could have seen Bowdoin's death, cause I supposedly sound like it was supposed to be pretty good, but then it said oh, he, he lived. Just... Oh, he lived. He's he's still with us, hanging out somewhere. Well, you, you're Mind aware of like, yeah, you're aware, yeah, of he. Yeah. How, apparently, he's on the droid planet. He probably would have died, is what the implication is. But instead, he's yeah. just sort of doesn't get off the ship. I'm bored. You guys no, are going to tired. Yeah, he's like, I'm not. I've been to Malachor Five before. I'm not getting back off for of this shit. But yeah, I mean, yes. him, him not having an end to his arc is really disappointing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think they could have uh, I don't think they could have done a um, just a straight up like you know uh, whatever it is, golden compass. We're gonna find and kill God type thing. Like if if it had just been that, it would have been really really hard for it to really work. Conceptual, well. yeah. But I mean, but yeah, like Kreia, like her whole thing is just like, it's just like a, it's an extended, we live in a society monologue. Like when she is not talking about the force or the way the force works or every once in a while talking about like, you know, somebody she kind of likes, like it's just the most like overwrought bullshit Revan. And well, yeah, Revan and that in exile, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, that's how, that's, how, tell, that's how you can tell she's a hypocrite because she, she very correctly, and it, it's a way that ties in really well with the gameplay, puts emphasis on like you need to have other skills than just the force. You need to have, you need to be a rounded person who has skills. And if she really believed that, then she would think Atten was the she would love Atten. She'd be like Atten's the greatest alive because he completely rejected the force and then 
has all these skills now and it's basically he's he's i mean he's literally the perfect person to kill force users and she would think she would like that you know you would think she would she would have respect for Baudur or Candorus instead of seeing them as just objects for her to use in her petty vengeance but you know yeah don't forget the racism the, the oh gray. yeah yeah <laughs> she's definitely a poster like that that's all she is just just pure posting or like a kid uh, a kid on Xbox live like you know you you, you kill him and they're like you know just, just a string of slurs as as far as the eye can see. So, well, yeah, it's, you know, it, 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 it's definitely really weird how she keeps talking about how Zabrak don't count; they aren't real people. Every yeah. time, thirty seconds. Yeah. She is deeply racist about her for no reason. She and to um, Amira Luca as well. Oh, she she's like saying, yeah. the eye, the eyeless one. Like, whoa, chill. You're blind too, homie. Yeah. Just, Still, like okay, maybe, maybe she's jealous that Visas is trying to steal her, steal her thing. Yeah, I guess so. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. I like, I'm trying to think of something to say about Kraya that I didn't say in however many episodes about Kotor. She is Aaron K. There, that's something to say. Yeah, about her. I mean, she is. Well, I mean, there you go. Well, I mean, yeah, like we did, like a we did. I, I. I tried so hard to like to keep bringing that up and like find a point to just like work it in, and I kept pushing it off and pushing it off, and pushing it off because it's like you need to be able to see like these pictures of these two people side by side to to see that to see that Kreia is like basically this, an older character version of Brianna. So like when we did it in the end, uh, you know, it's just like. I, I don't, you know, like I was just so frustrated because I, I like, I mean, it's like really cool in the game that it's just like hidden subtext, but then when you try to explain it on a non-visual medium, like a podcast, it, uh, yeah, not so much. Well, the, the easiest way to explain it is, is, um, and it, it's, it's the way it's, I think Chris Avalon would probably change it if he could is, uh, all the references to Revan's first master. And then they, someone's like, his first master is Aaron Kay. Wait a minute! I thought it was Kreia. Like, oh, that's what I—that's what did it for me. But um, no, I mean, it, it works. It works in, in there. It it also works. Uh, I think the Atreus parallels most is supposed to make it work because the, those are the two Darth Treas, and they're both basically the I same. Fucking hate Atreus. God, <laughs> I hate Atreus. I think I think her voice actor is too arch. I think that was the problem. Mm-hmm. Or she's just not really believable as like a sincere character. Instead, she's just like a. She's doing like she's just too arch. She's doing like a, a she's doing a theater voice basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas like everybody else, like, I want more contact with my man Zezkael. I love I love that man. He's the only one. <laughs> um, because Kavar is in the comics, is he not? I think he is. Uh no, he's oh. he's on no he's he's in the background of one. Okay. He's in like one background still, I think. But I think I think he was a character who had been referred to in some way before too. Whereas Ezekiel is just like this random new character, and it's like, what's this guy's story? Why does he look like a, a Why does he look like a, a groupie for like a, like a? He looks like Lawrence from uh, Office Space. <laughs> character. Yes, it's exactly what he looks like. It's like, just what's, ridiculous. What's up with this guy? Like, I, I want to know about this scumbag Jedi. Yeah. Like this guy who's like sleeping, he's like sleeping on, sleeping on somebody's couch. Like he's like smoking all your weed. Like Zeskale, can't you go 
fucking get a job or something, dude. Like, stop smoking all my weed. That's why I like Cal Katarn because he's the dirtbag. He's the dirtbag Jedi. <laughs> just, kind of like, just like his shirts are all sweaty, like and, and like yeah, he has like three shirts. It's like a band shirt, and his his girlfriend's like trying to fix him. Yeah, I like I did I did always like that he uh, he would always like kind of put Luke in his place. Like Luke would be like, I sent something bad. He'd be like, of course you do. You always yeah. send something bad. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. Come on. That's the coolest. That's my favorite thing about Jedi Academy. I mean, I, I like that, that game's modularity too. Like, like that game's not perfect, but I, I like a lot that it's got a lot of short little like side missions that have a very different flavors. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that whenever Kyle shows up, I like that. He's just sort of like, Oh fuck. All right. What are we doing? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, more Dark Jedi, huh? Okay. I, I wonder if I'll win. It's just sort of like, <laughs> like, uh, oh no, oh no, this guy has a lightsaber. Whatever will I do? Whatever will I do when I remember when I was untrained and I killed seven seven Dark Jedi by myself in like three days? Mm, it's just gonna be tough for me to beat this random guy. Yeah, Kyle's cool. He also was just cool. Like he was cooler in a way that they very '90s way that they made him. Um. He doesn't really have a character other than that, but I don't care because he's cool. He's cooler than Dash Rendar was. Dash Rendar was a douchebag. That's true. That is kind of also yeah. That that is kind of the 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 spectrum. Like there's like a there's like a a sliding scale of like annoying dork to to douchebag, and like Luke is on one end and Dash Rendar is on the other end, and Kyle is like right in the middle. Kelsey, what is your uh, what is your opinion on uh, Kyle Katarn and Dash Rendar? Also, Dash Dash Rendar is a bad name. Like, come on, it's a it's a, it's it's the worst kind of Star Wars name. Yeah, verb 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 dumb name. Yeah, it's a it's a I, bad it's a bad name. Yeah, I had like, no Corian Horn. I think is a better name. About Dash Rendar, you should, um, <laughs> you should. He's not really a character. He's just a torso who shoots gun. He's he's Han. He's he's Han with all of the like char- all of the charisma stripped out. So he's Han, he's Han with a bolt fired into his skull, like just yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> I want. I, I, like, I was mad. You was like this guy's not gonna beat IG88. Get him out of here. IG88 is cool. Ash Rendar is not. He wasn't even as cool. Kelsey. Yeah, go ahead, Kelsey. Yeah. I mean, I just like. I'm just trying to make sure I remember this right, like because Kyle Katarn like shows up in Rogue Squadron, right? Or am I thinking of who in am I thinking? Game? I'm thinking of Cora and Horn. I'm all over the place. You're thinking of, yes, uh, yes, Cora and Horn. Yeah, Kyle's not a good pilot. No, that's his whole thing. He can't fly shit very well. Which yeah, is interesting. I mean, they're, I like they're, not, they're not that different. They're not di- that different gas characters, like conceptually, of just like normal guy who becomes Jedi later in life. It's like normal, like well-adjusted guy with like relationship history and and like, you know, who's worked a job before becomes a Jedi. That that's sort of the concept behind behind both those characters. Uh, Kyle's Kyle's kind of a scumbag, and Corin's kind of just sarcastic. I think that's the difference between them. I mean, Kyle is too, but like. Kyle, I mean, Kyle was a fucking. He was like Diego Luna's character in Rogue One. He was just like, like he killed yeah, people I killed, for a living. Yeah, I kill people. What of it? Yeah, cool. It's fun. Yeah. I like doing it. 
Definitely unexplored space. Maybe we will see it more um, in in Mandalorian or, or series like that. But the the mid career yeah. change Jedi. Um, I like the idea that what if eighteen <laughs> is too old, but like let's say dissolution thirty something. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The the mid uh, the mid forties uh, like hit the end of his career path at the um, at the plant Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's one of the things I do like about the uh, like '90s EU is that they 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 kind of they realize like it wouldn't be really viable to like go. Also, they shouldn't be kidnapping children. So instead, Luke is just sort of like, I need Jedi. Like anyone who can use the Force. Like who are you? All right, come on. Which is kind of interesting. Which is how you get like lizard I Jedi. Would, I wish they would have done. I really really wanted that to happen in the sequels. Like there to be yeah. like a. You know, there's like some kind of Jedi Order there, and yeah, there, there, like our kids there, but you know, there's also like this Jedi that survived the Clone Wars, and like this guy who's you know known he's Force sensitive for years, but you know didn't want to die, so he didn't you know do anything with it, and now he's just hanging out. But or let's say like an adult stormtrooper who is definitely Force sensitive, and then they he uh, wields a lightsaber at one point, fends off a dark Jedi, and then they make him a Jedi after that because he's obviously a Jedi. They wouldn't. They wouldn't miss out an opportunity like that, though, would they? I was I so waiting for the third movie to be Knights of the Republic, um, which would have completed the sentence yeah. of the of the titles, and also would have been an interesting story about building something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's the two times like because Luke just doing the, the, the child the child academy thing again, which is that's that's what he's supposed to have done, right? And then the sequel yeah. technology. That seems extremely yeah. dumb on his part. Like I can't believe Obi Wan's Force Ghost didn't show back up and like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop. Well but the but the pro like I mean, again, like I'll I, I they, keep saying this. They won't they like, won't the, commit to it. Well but the problem well the problem is that like if you take a step back and you think about how like how you have to deal with the fact that there are people with superpowers that just pop up in the universe. And there are a couple of ways you can go, but getting them when they're kids so that they're not like, um, they don't have like all these attachments and then they don't go crazy when they're teenagers and, you know, they start killing a bunch of people like always happens in X-Men. So it's like on the one hand, yeah, you, you shouldn't, you know, take children, but maybe there should be an exception for when they have superpowers. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we should explore that more. That that might be something worth exploring. And this Just is thought. this is the thing. This is the Batman Joker paradox a bit. It's like why does Batman? Mm-hmm. Why does Joker keep coming back? And it's like, well, because they keep writing comics with the Joker's in. And it's like, well, why they keep doing this thing where they take children when we, when they know that some of them are going to turn and and probably destroy millions of lives it's like well because they have to keep making star wars stuff with dark jedi on them or else nobody cares which is why yeah. i'm happy i i like, i don't love mandalorian i think it was good like i'm gonna watch more of it but i am happy that it exists as something that isn't really focused on like force users really or it's just sort of like i wish it was more of that i, I wish i wish it was sort of more more of an anthology series of just him doing jobs for a while i think that would be cool but yeah i mean that's sort of it's an underrepresented thing. Like we never got that Boba Fett show. We should have. 
No, we should not have. There no. was an audience for it. Oh, I, I don't disagree with that. I just didn't want <laughs> Um No, I just... Uh... Well, it would have been nice to get some sort of consistent characterization for Boba Fett, finally. Yeah, that's true. No, I just, like... Every other book he would show up in, he'd be a different person, basically. It was... Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's... Yeah. <clears throat> I just, I mean... God, I hope they leave the Skywalker era behind. Let's go somewhere else. Anywhere else. Anywhere else in, in this timeline of 30, 40,000 years. Just go. Don't don't stay in the same 70-year period. I'm going to keep beating this drum until they do it. Yep. Or they until should. the sun burns out. One of the two. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why well, they couldn't have just had... I guess it's because they wanted... God, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna hate myself for saying this. I almost kind of wish that if the sequels happened now, because Carrie's dead, they they probably wouldn't have had the three of them in it. They might have had Luke show up as a Force ghost, and it could have said it like a hundred years later, and it probably mm-hmm. would have been a better movie. Yeah, well, because it, it would have made more sense for somebody to be like, and they could, and, and Kylo still could have been like a descendant, like that would have made sense. Mm-hmm. Who's like obsessed with Darth Vader, but it's like people, like people. You like people? There are people alive who knew who Darth Vader was. Like they know, they know, they know you're fucking lying. Like, come on. Like they remember Darth Vader, and yeah. like it, it's 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 really weird. It's like it's it's a lot like neo Nazis showing up in the '60s and being like Hitler was good. It's like no, we we know he wasn't idiot. Like we were, we're yeah within living memory, he was around. Like that's it. Just didn't work. It doesn't work. And I kind of wish that they had been able to. Well, I kind of wish that they had been had any confidence in telling their own story, but they didn't. I, mean, or even, I don't think, or even that they let somebody, one person, like they let somebody plan out a story instead of letting J.J. Abrams do a, a cookie cutter Star Wars and then mm-hmm. pretending they're going to let Ryan Johnson do his thing, and then as soon as he does his thing, they immediately retcon it. Like it just, there's no, it's you really, it's amazing that they had less coherence and less like a consistent narrative than the prequels did that shouldn't be possible yeah that shouldn't be possible where uh literally a third of one of those movies is based around a pod race like come on and it's the best part of that movie (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um i think just that like George Lucas, at the very least, had some consistent idea of the story he wanted to tell. He didn't really, I think, take all the right directions in, in the prequels. Obviously, there's like a, there's um, a lot that's weird and off about it. But the the narrative arc of it, written out on paper, broadly works. And the narrative arc of the sequel trilogy um, holds together with... Very, very loosely, because there's not, I know, we talked about this a lot, but there aren't stakes. There isn't a world, There's there are armies fighting detached from populations they are ostensibly fighting before or to conquer. It is, and like when you make Star Wars is, is really, right? I mean, fundamentally, the series is about, you, is about these these kinds of wars, but you are always, always led in with 
some human element or some characters who have some stakes and some place in the world, right? Like we think of Luke as an orphan. Like I mean, Luke is as an orphan from the start, but like he gets orphaned a second time in the movie. There are stakes. There are real consequences here. Um, Rogue One does it super well in that movie is 90% like fighting, but they still give you a, what does it look like to try and sit outside of this and have the war intrude? And there really isn't like, like Jakku exists as such an abandonable place. And also Forrest Whitaker is here. Right, and also Forrest Whitaker is here. Right, and so (laughs) doing a weird voice. And uh, aging incredibly rapidly over the his his character. Yeah. <laughs> is he like nineteen in Clone Wars? Come on, come on now, come on! Don't Kelsey, don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. No, he's always always like my one thing about Saw is that in Rogue One, the only thing they had to do to like answer any questions about Saw was for him to say. I talk like this because I got gassed by the Empire, which he did on Geonosis. Uh, my leg is like this because of something else that happened with the Empire. And when he when they're leaving and she says, come on, Saul. And he's like, no, he he's like he basically tells her no. Like he could be like, I'm tired of running. I want to see my sister again. That's it. There you go. X is every question, every single question about about his backstory. It's like not even three sentences. It, it, I don't know why it bothers me so much. It just does. I don't think you even need to say anything about his leg. You can kind of infer that. Like it, it's, it should, it's not really a mystery of like, oh, why is this aged freedom fighter all fucked up? Oh, that's right, because he's doing freedom fighting. Because he's an aged freedom <laughs> fighter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys don't past like forty-five. Yeah. No, I mean the, the very, the very, like the aesthetic, right, of a uh, garage Darth Vader is good and it shows like you can do a lot with like the this is what happens when you don't have the full empire and all of the medicine in the galaxy sustaining you you like have parts and that's why i like, I like that um that's what you're saying there's no stakes in the sequel trilogy it's literally just like there's an empire and a, and a rebellion because that's what they had in the first one that's really what it feels like a lot of the time and like they're fighting because one side is evil and one side is good my biggest regret with the prequels is that they completely turn people off to the idea of like any sort of political nuance in Star Wars. Like they're these, like I, I don't want the Trade Federation. Obviously, I don't want that to be like the first thing you see in the movie is talking about tariffs. But like, <laughs> you, there there should be a middle ground, right? Like there should be some kind of middle ground. And guess what exists right in the middle of that? Right in that middle ground. That's right, Kotor. Thunder Cyclone. Because my favorite, I mean, my my two favorite planets in, and I was, I was going to segue into this, are Manan and Narshada, because, and they're the two that deal the most with, like, Manan is the idea, you know, it's that's the political planet in, in KOTOR. It's like this planet exists in a stalemate between two warring factions, and they had to, like, this weird Cold War on it. And then Narshada is, like, this planet is overrun by refugees from all the wars that you guys keep doing. Mm-hmm. That's a fascinating idea. And also, I yeah. think they're the two most interestingly designed. But hey, I love Manon. Manon is a great. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of my favorite. Um, Those are my two favorite. And then I go Onderon slash Duxon and Kashyyyk, Dantooine, Tatooine, Corbin. That's like the, the good ones. And then like the intro planets don't really count, but they're not that great. The second Dantooine, like the KOTOR 2 Dantooine, 
it's fine. It's just I don't know why they need to be on Dantooine. And then and then they like the, to, they needed to reuse assets from the first yeah, game. Yeah. And then the the three that I think are bad are Malakor's just because it wasn't finished. Although I love the Trias Academy. Karagas is like it's it's it, like the side story with like the miners and how everyone died and the the HK unit. That stuff's good, but that's just tedious to replay. And then the and then the, obviously the worst one is the second trip to Corbin because it's not even <laughs> when you go in there in Kotor two you you it's just, you know it was what they had to add in at the last second because they had to cut a whole planet so you literally walk in there you find uh, Master Vash and then Scion shows up and you leave you're there for like ten minutes you do uh, you do the little bit in the in the tomb the apathy apathy is death part that part's good but that's not gonna carry a whole planet like it's just not it's the worst one I think I think everyone would agree with that. It's definitely the worst one of like the ones you go to, like not like an intro planet or the ending. But yeah, Manon and Narshadar are the two best. Narshadar is you go think about how much shit you do on that planet. <laughs> yeah, I think mine was probably Onderon because I was like, oh, this is from Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, that's Onderon that's like Cthune. the best strong three for me. Yeah, that was probably it for me. Kelsey, you played so much of these games. Which one was your favorite? <laughs> I am very much looking forward to when I have the time available to go back and finally uh, escape Terrace. <laughs> Let me tell exactly. you, I am looking forward exactly. to the well, second um... planet. <laughs> when you, um, well, it's going to be tangible it's going to be beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. it, is, it is interesting looking at it from a pure, like, what happens story-wise in each planet. I think Korriban the first time would probably be the most fun because that's the one after like by you oh, know, you by, mean, canon. by canon you mean the, one, one... the one where Revan goes on a uh, holy genocide against the Sith yes. yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> he just he's like well you're either gonna repent or you're gonna die that's how it is well I think the the most fun way to play that planet and it's and I know it's not the canon way it's as a dark side Revan it, it just being like mm-hmm. him just yelling out I'm Revan to everyone and have no one believing him so he kills all of them yeah fuck yeah. you guys but that planet yeah. also has the the single funniest. Uh, it's why you have to take Candorus and Jolie on that planet. It's a, it's probably the funniest like interrupt any party member does in any, any of those games where uh, you get accosted by all those trainees, and mm-hmm. they uh, they I can't remember the, the what, what's the what's the context for it. I can't remember exactly, but one of them asks you like, how many Sith do you think are on Corbin? And Jolie goes ten, no fifteen. And Candorous yeah, is like, yeah, good yeah. one, old man, which is one of my favorite Candorous lines. It's like, nobody wants your fucking input. Nobody wants your input, Ron Perlman. <laughs> Shut up. Noted humorist, Candorous Ordo. Like, good joke. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Candorous yeah. is the exact sort of person who, uh, instead of laughing at a joke, would say, that's really funny. And then you want to mm-hmm. kill him. Yeah. He's the person <laughs> that responds with, with lol in real lol, life. He's yeah. like, lol. Um, <laughs> No, the the drunk side cantina. The name of the cantina there is one of my favorite jokes yeah. in all of Star Wars. Yep, the that's drunk a great side, one. like that, should be in every like every material should have some reference to something like that. But uh, Brian, my uh, kid appears to be waking up, so I guess that means uh, the uh, the time is up on the show. But um, <laughs> but we uh, thank you. For, yeah, oh yeah. But thank you, uh, thank you for coming on, and uh, yeah. we. We'd love to have you on again. Um, you want to talk about the minutia of other Star Wars games? Yes, <laughs> that aren't as good. That is that is all I want to do. Actually, I mean, there um, is a lot of fun. Like, 
Did anyone has anyone else alive played the Clone Wars game? Not the show. There was a game that came out in like 2003 that was really bad, and that's all I remember about it was that you did vehicle I've seen sections. Pictures of it. Yeah, I, I played. Don't, I don't I think don't... I. I used to rent all those games all the time because I live in a city where even now there's multiple video rental places. And I remember getting that game and getting Star Fox Assault around the same time and being like, these both suck. And then just like being <laughs> mad about it for a while. I did not beat that Clone Wars game. I think I played like four hours of it and I was like, this is not a good game. But yeah. yeah. You want to talk about those games? I'm always down to talk about that stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Brian, you're at, uh, what is it? What's your Twitter? Cosmos, C-O-S-M-I-S. I, I don't talk about go. Star Wars very much because everyone either thinks Last Jedi. It's weird being uh, like being kind of neutral on Last Jedi, like thinking it was good, but not thinking it was either the greatest movie that's ever been invented and better than Empire, which is a nonsense opinion, or like horrible trash. Like it's it was it's pretty good. Yeah, I like I this place. I, I like it. It's nice here. Yeah. It's, uh, like, yeah, it's fun. It's good. But uh, anyway, you can uh, thank you for listening to People's History of the Old Republic. I'm trying to remember uh, how we closed the show. Um, I don't really remember. Um, but uh, you can find me as at Luke is Amazing on Twitter. And, and I'm uh, Kelsey. I'm at Atherton KD on Twitter. If you have questions or comments, things you want us to discuss on the show, you can email us at photorpod at gmail.com or shoot us a line at photorpod on Twitter. Thank you, Kelsey. See, see, there you go. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you again for listening and may the force be with you. <laughs>